And so we are busy with a sermon series uh, called When Your People Pray. Ironically, this was birthed in a time of prayer where the elders pray together. And so praying together, we just sense two things. One uh, was to preach into just building, reminding just us as a church that God is busy building His kingdom. And so if you can remember, we preached about uh, the series, Yo, here we go, about building. I'll just keep on going, guys, in the back. You'll sort that out for me. And so that is why we preached into that, sensing just to remind people and to ask people to stop, to pause, and to, to ask maybe two questions. Are you on the wall, busy building with God? Uh, and are you faithful in the area of the wall that He's entrusted to you? And then secondly, just pray, knowing that nothing that we do can be accomplished without God. Everything starts at the place of being on our knees, dependent on Him. And so this is why we are preaching just into prayer. And so three topics, when my people pray, God meets them, God speaks to them, and God moves. So last week, Rudo preached, he started with the first one, uh, when my people pray, when God's people pray, when we pray, He meets with us. And so my topic for today is when we pray, God speaks to us. Now let me maybe just make two obvious statements. Men, communication is paramount to building any relationship. Obvious statement. Women, communication is normally a two-way thing. Yes, I know it's an obvious statement. Um, you know, communication where it's just a one-way thing the whole time is like Kentucky without the, the, the secret herbs and spices. It is like uh, rugby without a Brian Bolton. That fresh hot coffee in the Kruger Park without a rusk. It is like a car in the 80s without the fur on the dash. <laughs> yes. Or the 90s without a socky. That is what communication looks like. Can you give me the mic quickly? And so I want to illustrate this. I've asked a good friend. I'm going to walk to him, Corbus. You don't have to come here. As I walk there, I'll introduce him. Corbus, uh, I could have chosen anybody. There's a lot of experts here. But Corbus uh, has got his own company, painting company, big company. So please don't go to him to paint your house. That's not his business. He paints uh, commercial facilities, big estates and stuff. Um, and so he's been in this for 20 years. And so I want to ask an expert today, so we're going to show this, and I apologize for those sitting here to the front, my back being to you, just how communication should work. All right, so I'm going to hand him the mic. And so I asked him a question um, yesterday to prepare for us. And so I think many of you would want to know when is the best time, and how, no, not when, how often, how often should you re-waterproof your roof and paint your roof? Re-waterproof your roof and paint your roof. And so if you can give us that answer, um, Quibus, uh, about that question. But just before you go, I think just looking at my roof, we've been staying there now for five years. So I don't know what the previous guy did, but so when would be the best time? And so just before you go, I think, yeah, thanks for that answer, Quibus. That was really, really, really insightful. Did you all get the answer? Yes? Don't worry, we are friends, we love one another. How ridiculous is communication that looks like that? You cannot call that communication. 
But here's the question. This illustration. How does that relate to your prayer life with God? Let me ask you another question. How would your prayer life change if your life depended on it? And so you can open your Bibles with me in Daniel 6. Daniel 6. We're going to look at the approach Daniel had to his conversations with God. As we think of this question, how does this illustration reflect my prayer life, your prayer life, your conversations with God? So what was Daniel's approach? And we're going to look and see that Daniel's approach did not change, even when his life depended on it. And why? So we're going to start reading Daniel chapter 6. Famous story for those that grew up in the old Sonar School era. The story of the lion's den, you know, the fash, the, the, the fur on the dash type of era. Verse uh, 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 100, 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. Underline that. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regards to the kingdom, but they could not find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error of fault was found in him. Let me just pause there quickly. So we see this verse 1 starts off with the name of a king, King Darius. And so studying chapter 1 to 5, you would see two other names mentioned. King Nebuchadnezzar and Belsassar. And so throughout this book, the 12 chapters, Daniel actually served under four kings. And we'll see that a bit later. He served under four kings. So he saw many kings come and go. And as an high official that he was from chapter 1, he was in the presence of all these kings. He knew these kings, their mannerisms, you know, the things that they preferred, their character. If you are with somebody the whole day, surely you would start to know this person. And so we see that Daniel served under four kings. He knew them. And in spite of these pagan kings, shortcomings. This man, Daniel, serves them faithfully. Why? Chapter 3, or verse 3. Because in him was found an excellent spirit. It is exactly the same words used when the Bible speaks about Joseph working under Pharaoh. It said, and he had an excellent spirit in him, and he served Pharaoh faithfully. And so this was the character of this man that even the satraps, that's provincial governors, and the high officials, such was his character that they could not find any grounds for a complaint or fault against him. And so maybe a side note, nothing to do with prayer and speaking to God. What would be your testimony this morning about your labor? What would be your testimony? We continue Verse 6, 
Then the high officials and the satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors, are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the lion den. Now, O king, establish injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. And therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. And so we see how, again, Daniel is faced with a moral challenge. It seems to be the pattern of this man's life. He serves faithfully. He does what is good. But yet he has to face temptation or temptation or trial after trial. Chapter 1, we see uh, how as a young boy, age 17 more or less, he's taken into exile, trial. He's facing a trial already at the age of 17. And then he arrives in the kingdom of Babylon and is forced to, to eat the, the food and the wine of the king that is against the law that he was brought up in. Another trial. And then chapter 3, we see how him and his friends are forced to bow before a golden image. Another trial. And so we see trial, trial, trial. I think it would be fair to say at some stage, it would be okay for Daniel just to pause and to question God. Why God? When I serve you faithfully, just these things just keep on going. Why am I still stuck in this place, in exile? Why have you not provided a way out for me? Why is it, no matter how hard I serve and serve well, that just seems like the next challenge, moral challenge, is just looming around the corner? But yet, Daniel never questions God. Instead, we see in verse 10 how he responds. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in the upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. As he had done previously. Daniel is one of the high officials about to be placed above everybody. Yes? And so, surely he had free access to this king. How would you have responded if that was you? Knowing the decree that is just signed, this decree prevents you from going into your inner room and praying to God like you've been doing faithfully every day, three times a day? How would you respond when you know people are out to get you? They are out to harm you. And so instead of running to the king to fight this, we see how Daniel turns to God in prayer. No urgent email. You know, no urgent meeting set up. Daniel reverts back to his inner room and seeks God in prayer. And then it says, 
And he went down on his knees three times a day, thanking God. Here's a moral challenge. He's about to be thrown into a lion's den if he goes on his knees before anybody except Darius. And what does he do? He goes down on his knees and he thanks God three times a day like he had done previously. Like he had done previously. Now allow me just for time's sake to explain and tell you the rest of the story from verse 11 onwards. These officials and satraps knew that they knew that they will catch Daniel somewhere on his knees. Why? Because this was the nature of the man. And so they went to his house, found him on his knees, open window praying towards Jerusalem. And so quickly they ran to the king and, and shared with him, for them, this great news of catching Daniel on his knees, sharing with the king this misconduct against the decree that the king assigned. And so the king, whom we can assume loved David or liked um, Daniel, not David, dearly, um, struggles with this news. But because of the decree, he has to send these soldiers, which he does, to arrest Daniel they throw him in a lion's den. And then we see how Darius struggles to sleep because of this affection for Daniel. Early rises the next morning, runs to the lion's den. As he approaches, he starts shouting already, Daniel, Daniel, are you okay? And the response, the relief that he gets when he hears the response, Yes, O King Darius, I am fine. My God, the God, has sent these angels to close the lion's mouth. And so Daniel is lifted out of the lion's den, and it says no harm was found on him. You see, this story could have ended differently because we know of many believers that have died due to persecution. The Bible are full of them. Our day and age, there's many a news. Um, Eugene just shared about this man that was murdered in Lesotho. People that was murdered for their faith. And so this story too could have been different. And so what we need to understand is God does not always give us what we ask. God doesn't always answer our prayers in the way we might want Him to answer that. But what we need to understand is when we pray, God wants to speak to us. You see, this decree that Darius signed prohibited anybody from going on their knees before anybody or any God except before Darius himself. And so what is Daniel's response? Daniel looks at this decree and he follows God's word. Listen to the scripture in Joshua 23. You might ask, where is the word that he followed? There's many examples of this word. In Joshua 23 it says the following, verse 16. If you violate the covenant of the Lord your God, which He commanded you, and you go and serve other gods, listen to this, and bow down to them. The Lord's anger will burn against you, and you will quickly perish from the good land He has given you. Daniel listens to God's word, and he does not perish. Listen to what he said about him when he's pulled out of the lion's den. And Daniel was taken up out of the den. This is verses 23. 
and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in God. He stood on God's word. And there was a spoken word already many times. Whom of you think it's, it is important? We have to go and pray first before we show kindness on, on somebody. You have to go and pray whether they should show kindness or not. Anybody? Whom of you think it is important that we should go and pray first before we tend to the orphans? Anybody? Whom of you think it's important to go and pray uh, whether I should serve? Yes, you could pray where maybe to serve. Yes, you should pray maybe how God wants you to be involved in caring for the orphans. But God's word, some of it has already been spoken. And so what we see here in this moment of this decree being signed, Daniel already knew the answer God was to give. Because it was written. And so we see how he goes before God. And he thanks God. And he trusts in God. And because of that, he does not perish. He did not, you know, go in as, like I did with Kubis And think, well, this is a great idea. And he just ran with it. No, he entered into prayer. And he stood on God's word. He stood on what God was speaking to him. Through that word. Back to the illustration. How does that illustration reflect your conversation, your prayer life with God? And so we see with Daniel an illustration of constant, he approaches God, he speaks, and he listens. And because of that being good communication, intimate relationship, he does not have to change the way he is engaging with God when trials comes. And out of this story this morning, there's two reasons which I want to highlight why I think this is why Daniel acted in this way and what I think we should, as believers, imitate. Two things. Daniel knew the king. He served under many kings, but he knew the king. And Daniel had an history with the king. Daniel knew the king. He knew God. And he had a history with God. Verse 10, it says again, let me just read that quickly. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. As he had done previously. As he had done previously. And so last week, if you go and read that chapter 2 again, you would see the same thing happening. He had a lifestyle of praying three times a day. That was just... So Daniel had a lifestyle of spending quality time speaking to God and also listening to God. And so from chapters 1 to 5, we see how God speaks to him in different ways. One, through his word. Daniel knew the word. He knew the scripture. He knew the Old Testament. He knew... The, the law of God. And so God spoke through, to him through his word. We see how God spoke to him through angels. Archangel Gabriel appears to him in chapter 10. And he looks at Daniel. Daniel was praying and fasting, praying for the nation. And Gabriel appears to him and he says to him, Oh Daniel, 
highly esteemed in heavenly places. The word was given the moment that you asked for it. But on my way here, the prince of Persia, we are not talking about a physical prince, we're talking about a dark angel, tried to prevent me from bringing this word to you. And I had to call on your angel, Mikhail, to come and help me so that I could bring the word. So God spoke to him through angels. And then we see how God spoke to him directly. Like what you experienced, Christian. Different ways. But God spoke to him directly. God spoke to him directly. Because Daniel knew God. Because Daniel spent a lot of time in God's presence. He knew God and he knew God's voice. Why is it that his conversation looks differently? Because he knew God and he knew God's voice. He knew God's voice because he had spent intimate time with him. Daniel knew the king, but Daniel also had an history with this king. Although this story of the lion's den is in chapter 6, it actually takes place at the end of Daniel's life. And so what we need to understand and note quickly is the chapters does not follow on one another in a chronological order. The book of Daniel is divided into two areas, being one, chapter 1 to 6, the narrative, the story of Daniel's life, and then chapter 7 to 12, the apocalyptic visions that he received about the end times and times to come. And so if you had to position chapter 6, it would fall at the end of his life, and there's going to be a slide behind me where I took the chapters and broke it up into a chronological order for you to see how these chapters follow on one another. And so chapter 1, Daniel, we determine, is about the age of 17. And so from chapter 1 till chapter 6 is 83 years. And so more or less means that Daniel was more or less 100 years old. And so he had a history with the king. He had a history of going down on his knees daily, three times a day, spending time talking to God and also listening to God. And so does it make sense now when I say he knew God and he knew God's voice? Because this was just the nature of this man where he went in and he just prayed every day, three times a day. And so when he heard, when Daniel heard about this decree, guess what he did? He looked back over his life and he saw a history of God's faithfulness. He saw a history of going into, making time, setting out time, going into his upper room, going on his knees, speaking to God and listening to God. There was a history. It wasn't just by chance. He knew that he knew God is faithful to his word. When last, when last did you just dwell, spend time in God's presence and just allowed him to speak to you? Just allowed him to speak to you. Are you in the habit of daily just setting out time where, yes, you speak to God, but also just listen, no agenda. God, you need to answer these things. No, no, no. Just going into his presence. As a connect group, we have challenged one another. 
We've started with 10 minutes a day. You're not allowed to say anything, no agenda. Just sit and listen. Well, just imagine a lifetime. Just imagine a lifetime. You see, Daniel had a history with the king. Daniel knew the king. Here's the thing about Daniel's life. This prayer that he prayed, this, this action of him going down on his knees, benefited him, yes, obviously. But it also ministered to Darius. And an assumption can be made that it saved Darius' life. This is uh, Daniel 6, verses 25. So Daniel prays. He has this intimate relationship with God, speaking and listening. And he benefited from it, yes. But so too did Darius. Listen to this. The king Darius, this is after he was brought out of, of the lion's den, wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lion. See, Daniel's intimate relationship with God did not only benefit him. It also ministered to a pagan king. And so what we need to learn and understand from this, because of him knowing the king and having history with the king, he understood that his intimate time with God, speaking and listening, impacted people around him. Your quiet time, your intimate time of speaking to God and listening to God does benefit you. But it also influences people around you. I prayed when we started, fathers, your prayer time, your connecting time with God influences your wife and your children. Not spending time with God, obviously, will also impact those around you. Because then we start acting out of self, thinking of good things we need to do, and then we just run with that. Spending time, intimate time with God, may save a life. And so I want to leave you with three things this morning. What is your quiet time? What does your intimate time look like? Do you have this type of conversation? Or is your conversation based on you listen to God and you speak to God? Do you set up time just to, to sit at His feet and to listen to Him? Maybe just start. Just take a journal, new journal. Don't write all your emotions and things in that journal. This is God speaks to me journal. Just start with five minutes a day. Just five minutes a day. And start exercising that muscle. Because God doesn't want just five minutes, ten minutes, thirty minutes. He wants a lifestyle. You know, I can just look at my wife and I know what she's saying to me without her using words. 
Don't you think that God wants exactly the same relationship with us? Where we know Him and we know His voice. And so here's the two questions. Do you know the King? I'm not asking, you know Scripture and all these things. Do you know the King? When He speaks, you know that the King is speaking. Because you've spent time with your king. Do you know him intimately? And do you have a history with him? When trials and temptations come, you just look back and you see his faithful hand over your life. And allow you just to reflect on those questions. Father, what an amazing privilege it is just to know you are the king of kings you are the great I am Isaiah 40 we read how you just in the palm of your hand hold all the sand of this earth together you spread out just heavens like a curtain Father we don't have enough words just to to explain your greatness and yet, you desire intimate relationship with a fable man like me. You desire intimate relationship with each one of us here. I want to stretch your faith now. I'm going to ask you just to let go of your wife's hand or your girlfriend's hand or your boyfriend's hand or your husband's hand. Just let go of everything, your cell phone. For one minute, just allow the Father to speak to you, either through a picture or a scripture or an image. Just allow Him to speak to you and then just write it down. 